What God has promised is designed to overcome your adversary. And now for Star of Wonder. Oh, well, family, I'm so excited to be with you. There are some things that the Lord has placed in my heart. And and first, I want to bring greetings from my beautiful wife, Sister Glaretta. She wanted to be here, but she wanted me to make sure that I said hello to everyone and let you know that she's thinking of you. I also bring you greetings from our church family, Tabernacle of Worship. We're so glad to be with you just to be able to share the word of God. Amen. Well, if you have your Bible or your Bible app, if you could open it with me to the book of Matthew. We're going to be looking at Matthew tonight. Very familiar scripture, and I believe it's fitting for the season. Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to begin at verse number 1. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. And here, for the sake of time, I'll begin reading. And the word of God says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and were all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again. Again, that I may come and worship him also. I want to speak from the subject star of wonder. Star of wonder. We know this phrase. It's a lyric to a very popular song, Christmas song that we know. We three kings. We understand that it was written by, I believe it was John Henry Hopkins Jr. Written in Pennsylvania around the 1800s, 1850 something, I believe. He penned the words to that song. And there we understand he talks about westward leading Still proceeding, guide us to thy perfect light. He was speaking in that song. But here we look at this passage and it speaks so many things. I believe God is speaking many things to us out of it. But I want to touch on two things before we dive in. There are two principal characters or sets of characters that we need to look at just a moment. And I believe we can dig in a little deeper. That first one is going to be Herod. We also would know him later on in scripture is Herod the Great, as they would call him, Herod the Great. Herod here, he was an Edomite. He was actually half Jewish and half Edomian. This means that he was half and half. He was half and half. That was part of the reason why they gave him that assignment. The other part of the reason was because of the relationship that he had with his father. 
the relationship they had with his father. Antipater actually was his name. Antipater was his father, and his father was the curator for Judea. And they went ahead and gave him the assignment because of the good relationship that they had with him. And he said, listen, I want you to take care of my boy. Set my boy up. So they set him up as the governor did Augustus Caesar. And then after that, he became the king of the area. And it's interesting because here it was, his father had set him up as king. And during his reign, the father was setting his son up as king. Isn't that interesting? But here we look at the fact that here Herod, is something very interesting about him. He was someone who was very insecure. He felt threatened by everyone, anyone. In fact, it was Augustus Caesar that said this about him. Listen, I would rather be his sow than his son. In other words, it was better to be a pig to him that would sit on his dinner table than to be his son because he killed every one of them. Every son he killed. He killed his father-in-law whom he loved, his wife whom he loved, everybody because he was so insecure and felt threatened by everyone and everything. And so therefore he had to eliminate him before they could come and try to lay hold on his kingdom. This is who Herod was. He was ruthless. He was heartless, but yet he was the one who was in authority of this time and this season. But then it wasn't just him. There's another principal character we need to take a look at or set of characters. Those were the wise men. The wise men from the east, very interesting group of people. We notice in the song again, it says, we three kings. They were also referred to as kings sometimes. And not only that, but they were also looked at, when they looked at them, they said three, three. Well, when you look actually at studies, theologians said that it was actually probably 14 or more of them that came. It wasn't just three, it was 14 or more. And then there was another one that said, no, it was probably around 12. It was around 12 that came. Either way, it was way more than three. It was way more than three. The reason why they said three is because they came bearing three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They brought the three gifts and they called them the three kings, but it was many more than that. These wise men, these wise men who came from the east, many have believed that they were actually magi. The magi that came from the far east, and when they came, they brought ideas of sorcery. They brought ideas of astrology and all of those things. But when you study a little further, there was actually another set of magi. There was another set of magi that was east of Palestine. This group was there, and they had been there for some time. And the magi that was there, they were gathered together as a group of priests. It was actually a tribe that was gathered together as priests. As far as the Jewish culture is concerned, the tribe, like the tribe of Levi, the Levites, another tribe of priests that we can compare them to, but this is what they were. In fact, their great studies were in that of philosophy, that of medicine, and also science. And the science that they were most excited of was astrology. It was astrology. And this is what brings us around the story now because it was during this time that they saw this star that was in the east. Here's the thing that's interesting. Because where they were, east of Palestine, there was also a settlement of Jews. The settlement of Jews had been there since there was the release of Babylonian captivity. And as they had been there, they couldn't make it back home. So they made it to this area. And while they were there for some four 
400 years, they kept practicing their faith. They kept talking about the word. They kept talking about this Messiah that was supposed to come and deliver them, the one who was promised unto them. They kept talking about the great God who had done all of these things in the Bible, in the Old Testament as we understand it. But they kept talking about those things. And here it was, these magi, this group of priests that honed themselves on philosophy would take their ideas and they would write them down and they would jot them down just like they would look at the stars and they would chart out the stars and the constellations and make sure that they knew where everything was. And as they did all of these things, one day something appeared in the heavens that they had never seen. They had never charted this. They had never noticed this. It just came out of nowhere and they're looking saying, wait a minute. Where is this star? What is this? this? This isn't any of our notes. It's not on any of our maps, any of our charts. But yet, wait, I'm looking at these notes that we made from the Jewish folk. And they're talking about the star that shall come out. Oh, my goodness. Let me read it to you. It came out of Numbers 24 and 17. These wise men, or I should say, the word says this, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy the children of Sheth. Here it is. They had heard the word. And when they heard the word, they looked in the sky and they saw a manifestation. And at that moment, they made a decision. Let's look back at verse two with me, if you would. Verse two, again, speaking of the wise men, it says, saying, where is he born? He that is born king of the Jews, for we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him or come to worship him. They, they saw this event, this star, and they knew that they had to respond. Oh my goodness. Have you ever been in a situation where God showed you something that caused you to have to respond? They saw something and said, I have to respond. I can't just do anything. I can't just sit here. I've got to respond. And I love what their response was because the response wasn't, we must go and observe this. We must go and be like a stenographer and record this and have a written record of it. No, we have to come and then simply see what's going on. No, that wasn't their response. Their response was, we must go and to worship him. Ah, we must go and worship him. We've got to go and bow down and worship him. It's important to understand this because we do understand that the word came and the angel went unto the shepherds and shared things with them that caused them to come. And there were others that came. But here it is. You have these magi, these wise men. They were Gentiles. They weren't of the faith, but they came because they had to worship the king. And when they did this, they worshiped the king of the Jews, making him the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Even before baby Jesus could really say anything, he was already being labeled as king. He was already being acknowledged as the Lord. Already, already they came and they brought their gifts and brought it before him. <sighs> but now the story takes an interesting turn. Oh, look with me in verse 3. In verse 3, here in verse 3 it says, When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled 
and all Jerusalem with him. (sighs) Now, of course, we know Herod is going to be trouble. His insecure self, he was probably sweating all day long. He couldn't believe it. He's like, another king? No, to threaten me? You got to be kidding me. This cannot be happening. So it was understandable for him. But all Jerusalem with him? Really? Let me get this straight. The same people who had heard the promises from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the same one who heard the word of Moses preached, the same one who heard the stories of how it was he, it was Jesus, or it was, I should say, Elijah, Elijah, who was able to call down fire from heaven. They heard all of these stories of the things that God has done, about how he parted the Red Sea and his people walked over on dry ground. How then he took Joshua and smote the waters of the river and they walked across on dry ground. They they had heard all of these things. They knew it and was believing for it. But yet something happened. Something happened. You see, they had grown a little apathetic in their time. Because they were at a place where they were like, you know what? I don't know if I'm ready for him to come now. Father, I mean, everything is kind of good right now. I mean, everything is really copacetic. You know, I got a little money in the bank. The cattle out there, they're paying off. Kids in the house, everybody's happy. Even crazy old Herod over there, but as long as you don't mess with him, I'm good. So, Father, I'd rather you keep that promise right now. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if the Lord came to you or someone came to you and said, I've seen the promise that God has for you. I've seen it. I already know that it's here. It's going to manifest and your life is going to change and everything that God promised you is coming to pass. Oh my God, it's going to happen in your lifetime. You're going to live to see it. How in the world would you sit back and say, you know what, I'm good right now. I'm all right. Father, that sounds good. But you know what? This Corolla almost paid off. What in the world? Are you serious? This is what their mindset was. They were thinking, they said, listen, I'm good. I don't need to do that. I simply need you to let things be, to let them be. You see here, here's what the issue really is. The wise men who had no relationship with the father sought out the promise of the father and those whom the promise was for declined to seek him out. Oh, my God. When you have people who would rather worship God than you who actually know him. You see, I believe that's why we're here tonight. We're here because somebody made up in their mind that, no, I'm going to press my way. Those who are joining us, who are watching us right now, you made up your mind. that said, no, I could go watch the game or I could go be washing some dishes or we could go out to eat. But something has constrained me because I need to go in here and spend some time with my Lord Jesus. I need to go in here and worship him. Oh, this is why I love this song by one of my favorite gospel singers. Years ago, years ago, he took an old worship song and he revised it, revamped it. And Israel Houghton simply said these words, here I am to worship. I'm just here to worship. And in the middle of the song, he said this. He said, and this is our response. Because when I see what you have done for me, when I see what you have brought me through, when I see how you've healed my body, when I see how you've helped me keep my right mind, I am here to worship you. That's the only thing. It's the rightful response. It's the only response that I can give here. They came. To worship him because they saw something that changed them. And here, his own people 
had grown so callous that they could not have their heart pierced. Watch this. We're almost done. That clock is ticking. Check verse number four. And it says here, and when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet and thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. They knew the word. They knew the word. It was rote memory to them. Because they have been trained in it. They have been raised up in it. But my question becomes, did they actually believe it? It's one thing to know the word. It's another thing to believe it. The question is, did they actually believe what they thought they knew? Here it was, they knew it and they could quote it. But could they actually walk it out? Could it actually manifest in their lives that they would be able to produce the very things that the Father had intended for the Word to do on the inside of them? The Word is like a seed that should produce a harvest in our lives. But here it was, the seed had gone into poor ground and was unproductive. This is why Jesus would later tell us about the different types of ground. Thorny ground, some by the wayside. Remember that? He talked about it. He wasn't just talking about the earth, but he was talking about we, which came from the earth. Here it was. They had this opportunity. They knew the word, but they could not manifest it in their lives. We're almost done. Almost done. Look with me at verse 7. Verse 7 here. It says, Then Herod. When he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Oh, my goodness. I don't want to offend anyone. But I don't know if there are any Star Wars fans here. Because when I looked at that scripture, I was like, that looks just like Darth Sidious. Senator Palpatine. Every time something hit him, he kept looking like a gargoyle. I said, oh my God, that's him right there. Don't do it. Don't do it. (laughs) I'm sitting there looking like, oh my gosh, here it is. This king was so filled with evil and deception that he was trying to deceive the wise men so that he could kill the baby Jesus. So he could kill a child. This is what he was trying to do. This is why I want to say these words to you and then I'm done. The enemy always wants to destroy your promise before it is mature enough to stand on its own. Do you hear me? The enemy always wants to destroy your promise before it's mature enough to stand on its own. Oftentimes, even when a marriage, oh, they're so happy. They're so happy at the altar. Everything's so beautiful. They're throwing rice or flowers. I know that's not, I know, ecologically correct, I think, to throw rice anymore. But they're throwing stuff and, and have doves floating out there and all that kind of stuff. But then right after the honeymoon, the enemy steps in. 
and brings all kind of stuff. Always after that, right after that. I'm telling you, even when you start your business, you have your front store, your show store or showroom all laid and everybody comes in. Oh, I love this. I love that. Oh, it's so beautiful. Oh, it's so great. We're going to support you. Oh, it's great. But then they, they say, oh, what's back there in your storage room? That's none of your business because you are getting started. You can't let everybody into the most intimate places because the enemy is seeking to destroy you at the intimate, the early stages. I remember our children, especially our son, my wife and I, our son was growing up. We had him in his little carrier and take him to church and other places. And everybody said, oh, look at the little baby. And it put him, I, mean, I saw a look on my wife's face. I had never seen in my life. I was like, oh, God, it scared me. The next Sunday, I started putting these mittens all on his hand. This way before COVID. <laughs> putting mittens on his hands, tucking them all up in it. He, 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 he's sitting there trying to pull out because he can't see his fingers. And so I said, no, 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 no. No, no, you keep it there, baby, because I don't want you to get sick. Because I understand the enemy comes after things when it's at his infancy. But I want you to know this, and I'm done. What God has promised is designed to overcome your adversary. Do you hear me? Let me say it again. What God has promised is designed to overcome your adversary. Listen, I know you have to take care of it. They had to take care of Jesus while he was a child, but that he took care of the entire world in all generations to come. They had to take care of him for a season, but that he took care of us all. There's some things you'll take care of, the promise that God's given you for a season, but then after that, it will take care of you. You just got to be willing to understand the investment of time, of love, of, of care that you got to pour into the infancy and watch that grow into the promise that God said that he would fulfill in your life. Glory to God. This is what Jesus is for us. This is why we celebrate the baby who became the man of God, Jesus Christ. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Ah, I'm simply going to say a word of prayer as we close. If that's all right. Father God, we thank you tonight. Lord, we thank you for this blessed promise that you've given us. Jesus, we're so grateful for you. Thank you for going through the things that you had to on this earth so that we could see the end sample to help us to walk to know that the challenges that we experience aren't to break us, but to build us. To help us understand that the attacks from the enemy are only to make us stronger. So Father, we thank you, Lord. Jesus, we celebrate you during this season, but we're so grateful because every day is like Christmas. Every day you've allowed us to see the beauty of your splendor. You've allowed us to see the glory of your power. Every day you enable us to see how to get up and to press through and to fulfill that which you've called us to. Father, we're grateful. We're grateful, Lord, that in spite of whatever attack, whatever kings in this world may try to come against us, we already thank you for bringing us wisdom and knowing how to walk beyond it, how to grow in the midst of it so that we can fulfill 
everything you've put in our hearts to do. Now, God, thank you for blessing these, your people. Thank you, oh Lord, for everything that you've already stirred up, oh God. Those things that yet may be small, but Father God, I thank you that their latter end shall greatly increase. And God, we're going to give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise because it is due your name because these things we count as finished. Father God, we bless you and we love you. And it's in the wonderful, matchless, and majestic name of Jesus that we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you, Ark. God bless you. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was the message titled, Star of Wonder, by James Brown. This message is number 6587. That's 6587. To listen to thousands of free messages or to send this message number 6587 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to iwanttogive.com. That's iwanttogive.com. Listen to brothersoftheword.com often because, brother, you need the word. Come on, brother.